She-Hulk season one is in the books. What's my final verdict? Find out right now. This review is brought to you by Raycon. Go to buyraycon.com and use the code MERL15 to get 15% off your order. And stay tuned till the end of this episode for more info. Hello, everybody. I'm Dan Merle here with my wrap-up of Season 1 of She-Hulk. I actually haven't done one of these check-ins since, I think, the end of Episode 5. So I'll be talking a little bit about the last four episodes, but mostly about the season finale, which just aired in the wee hours of the morning here in the United States. So if you haven't seen that yet, Episode 9 of She-Hulk, then you should probably wait go watch it, and then come back because we're going to be talking a lot about what happened. If you have been watching my She-Hulk reviews, then you know that I haven't been the biggest fan of the show so far, and a lot of people will take that and kind of lump me in with the people that are the actual villains of this season, the people that are out there hating She-Hulk all day, every day, and that's really not where I'm coming from. And honestly, I think if you look at what I say about She-Hulk versus what a lot of the other discourse around She-Hulk is online, then I think that you'll probably see a pretty distinct difference. And there are people that I've seen that say, well, Dan, why do you have to make that disclaimer every time? And all I can say is that, trust me, I do, because more and more it seems like people will take your opinion on a TV episode or a TV show or a movie and kind of make a sweeping generalization about what you believe and who you are as a person. And I really wish that we could just get away from that, because I do have my own worldview. And again, I think if you watch this channel long enough, you'll get a pretty good idea of what it is. And I can assure you that none of that worldview really ties into the Green Lawyer show on Disney+. Plus. Now that the season is over, it, it sort of underscored what I felt from the first few episodes, which is that in general, She-Hulk really felt to me like a show that was looking for its identity because it was a lot of different things over the course of the season and not things that I think worked particularly well or that were pulled together in a particularly meaningful way. The best storyline was Jen's. Her journey to embracing both sides of herself as both Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk. And I feel like most of that was focused in the back half of the season, which left a first half that I thought meandered quite a bit. I like the characters of Nikki and Pug, and I like the actors who played them, but I really didn't care much about what the show had them doing. They didn't add much value for me, and they took up a lot of the screen time. And then you had characters like Renee Elise Goldsberry's Mallory Book, who I really loved when they brought her in around the middle of the season. She had her first meaningful episode, I think, in about episode five, and then they didn't really do anything interesting with her after that. So one of the things that I think this show struggled with was figuring out how to use their characters, which characters to use, and how much to use them. And when you look Look at She-Hulk in general, sometimes the show was a case of the week Marvel show, sometimes it was a more of a character study on Jen, sometimes it was more of a zany workplace comedy, and I don't think that they ever were able to make all of those tones merge very well, and I think part of it feeds into a trend that I've noticed, or at least I think that I've noticed at Disney+, Plus. I don't have any proof for any of this, but it seems to me like they are extending the runtime of a lot of their original shows in order for them to go over several more weeks, because to paraphrase Roger Ebert from one of my favorite movie reviews ever, I really felt that She-Hulk was a six-episode series that was squeezed into a nine-episode series, and I think that the whole thing would have been served better if you had centralized the storyline more. It's something that I felt as well with Andor. I'm not quite caught up on Andor, but my thoughts just on what I'd seen so far was that it should have been you know three or four feature-length TV movies instead of a eight, nine, ten-episode limited series, and I think the same thing happened here.
here with She-Hulk. I don't necessarily know if storytelling is the first factor in deciding how long these shows should be, and I think in the case of not just She-Hulk, to be fair, that really shows. The real villains of the show were this cabal of internet trolls from this site called Intelligentsia, but that was really only firmly established at the end of the last episode. It had kind of been in the background of several other episodes. I thought it was pretty obvious that John Bass's character was going to be the one that was kind of revealed as being behind it all because they were really pressing that point last week. But when we look at this whole Intelligentsia storyline, I do feel like the reveal is pretty much the only thing the show had going for it, but they didn't quite know how to pay that off. And instead they went with the ending that we got in the season finale, which I want to be very clear I think was this show's biggest asset and its biggest liability. First of all, I was very glad they did not go with that fake-out ending that we saw where we have him injecting the blood and he becomes Hulk and then Hulk comes back and it's just a big fight. Uh, Jen was right. That is a terrible ending and I was kind of watching it going like, oh my god, I can't believe this is what we're doing. So I'm very glad they didn't go that route and I thought that it was a big swing to actually have She-Hulk exit her own show and enter the world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, go on the actual Disney lot, visit the Marvel Studios office offices and have that discussion with the AI Kevin, which is obviously a play on Kevin Feige. That's a really interesting idea. And I think individually also a lot of those jokes really, really worked. But wait until the camera is off you. The visual effects team has moved on to another project. Okay. There. I do think that it's a bit of kind of trying to have it both ways when you have a character specifically addressed that a lot of Marvel TV shows and movies have lackluster endings, and also that the company struggles to meet the volume of VFX work that it needs. Yes, that's funny, but at the same time, I kind of would prefer that the company address those problems instead of joking about them in one of their shows. Hopefully they're doing both. It's often said that Marvel movies all end the same way. Wait, who's saying that? But overall, I think if you just clip out that part, that sequence does work really well. It's fresh, it's new, it's innovative. Again, there was a lot of humor that worked and you could be self-deprecating. You could reference the X-Men and Daredevil. It was a lot of fun. I also really liked the nod in the very beginning of the show to the intro from the old 80s show starring Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno because that was honestly my very first entry into Marvel fandom in general was that Incredible Hulk TV show, so I have a huge soft spot for it. So that was fun to see, and it was actually that sort of radical wall-breaking, fourth wall-breaking, that we saw in this episode from the very beginning and then through to the finale that I wish the show had been doing more of throughout. If you go back and look at my other videos, the one thing that I kept saying was the fourth wall breaks are very inconsistent and they didn't really feel that central to the plot. If the show had been doing stuff like this throughout the rest of the season, then I think in my mind it would have fit with the finale of the story a little bit better. But on a story level, as far as this season, it really did feel like the writers either didn't know how to wrap up the storyline of Intelligentsia and everything else, or just didn't really care about anything that they'd already set up and instead said, oh, we're just going to do this thing with Marvel jokes, etc. And nobody really cares about all that other stuff. It's like they wanted to wrap the season up without having to do the work of actually figuring out how you're going to get there. And it reminded me in a way of the ending of one of my favorite movies, which is Blazing Saddles, because Blazing Saddles is very similar. We're getting near the climax of the movie and then they do a fourth wall break. And now all of a sudden it's jokes about Hollywood, etc. And while I love Blazing Saddles, I've also always thought that the ending was the weakest part of the movie because you are sort of discarding the narrative at that point and kind of jumping into something else without really worrying how you're going to in the movie that you've been watching. Piss on you. I'm working for Mel Brooks. Not in the face. 
And so while the jokes in the She-Hulk finale were funny jokes when we step out and do this whole MCU bit, I also think that you run the danger as a TV show, especially going into a second season if there is one, where the viewer may start checking out a little bit because if I think that the plot can be thrown out at basically any point, then why would I invest myself in the plot of the show or the characters or the situations that we're in? And Jen's situation in this episode is a great example. When you look at the stakes of this episode at the very beginning, we've had that big reveal at the end of the previous episode, which I thought was really well done. And then Jen has been arrested. She goes to jail. She's got an inhibitor on. She loses her job. She loses her house. She has to go and live with her parents. These are all really interesting story beats that feels like stuff that should have happened to her in the middle of the season. You should have had the intelligentsia thing drop in the middle of the season, and that's where the action turns. Jen loses everything, and then the last two or three episodes are about her trying to come back and build back and find intelligentsia and get her revenge. And all of that is shoved into this last episode, and then we don't even really have her do that. It kind of seemed like they were going for the short-term shock and awe and laughs without really thinking about, well, what about the fact that you're basically discarding an entire season's worth of storyline? Uneven would actually be the way that I would best describe this entire season, but I had high hopes going into this finale because I thought that last week's episode was easily the best of the series, and not just because Daredevil showed up and Daredevil was in it. I had some suspicions about how they were going to integrate him into the show, but I think that the character was actually a pretty good fit. But the reason why last week's episode was my favorite was because they finally gave Jen a character that she was able to open up to. We learned so much more more about her because you bring in Matt Murdock who can understand what she's going through and understands the pitfalls of being a superhero and it allowed Jen to really show more of her true self. Jen Walters can use the law to help people when society fails them and She-Hulk can help people when the law fails them. Be the best of both worlds. And then we have that final scene of last week where Jen's kind of at a high high. She's learning to accept herself. And then we have this very traumatic event, this sex tape that's been leaked. And I loved her reaction. I thought that it was very well played by Tatiana Maslany. I actually was curious about where this was going to be headed. And I was like, okay, finally, it's a little bit late, but we're really going to be digging into Jen in this next episode and talk about, you know, her rage at all of this happening and the fact that she's so misunderstood and still persecuted as She-Hulk, and it seemed like all of that was sort of like, whoop, sidestepped, and let's make funny Marvel jokes. I like funny Marvel jokes as much as anybody, but I like good stories even more. And speaking of good stories, there was also something that wasn't even really addressed. We saw that Todd, who's played by John Bass, who is the head of Intelligentsia, even after this diversion into Marvel, uh, does get arrested, and it seems like he's going to pay for his crimes. But what about Josh? He lied to Jen, he seduced her under false pretenses, he hacked her phone, he stole her blood, and he's never seen or heard from again, unless I completely missed something, which which definitely happens, but I tried to look in research and I didn't see any references, I scrubbed through the other episodes, I didn't see him pop up again. It seemed to me like his comeuppance as much as Todd's comeuppance was so important to this show. That's an actual narrative loose thread that I wish had been tied up, and that kind of feeds into my frustration because there weren't a whole lot of story points that I was really digging, especially in the first half of the season, as it was mostly humor that wasn't quite my speed. But then the things that I did really get invested in, a lot of them the show didn't even address. 
Instead, we get the tidy ending where the conflict is just kind of over, and then we go on to tease Planet Hulk or whatever. Despite my very mixed feelings on the show, however, I think that She-Hulk and Tatiana Maslany are an incredible addition to the Marvel bullpen. I love that they're going to be able to call them out now and bring them into different TV shows and different movies. I do hope that they keep Jen and Matt together because I was very on the fence about the idea of hooking up Daredevil and She-Hulk, but I have to say that the characters and the actors who play them have great chemistry, and so I hope that we're going to see more of them together on screen because I do think that they make a great pair. But when it comes to She-Hulk herself, I really just hope that in the future more care is given to her as a character and not as a function. So you're not just bringing in She-Hulk to just be a hero or to do something. She's actually in the show for a compelling story reason. And if there is a season two, and like I said, I haven't seen confirmation either way right now, I really do hope that perhaps they go back to the drawing board a little bit just on the arc and the clarity of the season. We've now established who Jen Walters is. It does feel like she has come to terms with herself as far as sharing her life as She-Hulk and Jen Walters. We've dealt with the backlash to her becoming She-Hulk. I really do hope that if they're mapping out a season two, they're saying like, okay, how do we tell one story from beginning to end in a more cohesive way while also bringing in the different things as far as fourth wall breaks, maybe employing them a little bit more consistently. I think that there is a great season of She-Hulk out there. A lot of people think that this was a great season of She-Hulk. It's just not something that I happen to agree with them on. But there are elements of greatness, and there were elements of greatness even in this season. And I think with just a little bit more focus... This could be one of my favorite Marvel shows. However, based on this first season and the storytelling and the inconsistencies and the fact that the humor didn't really jibe with my particular sense of humor, I can't say that I really enjoyed She-Hulk as a show overall, but I am very happy to have her character now as part of the MCU. And if you did like this show, I think that that's great. I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong. And again, people say, why do you keep making that point? It's because it's a point that needs to be made. When it comes down to it, we're all just little carbon people stuck on this rock together. Let's not argue about something as silly as this because I have no interest in starting an argument on She-Hulk. I'm just here to share my thoughts because I'm lucky enough to have some of you folks out there that want to sit here and listen to me. Other than that, I'm no different than everybody else. What did you think of She-Hulk Season 1? Did you like the finale? Did you like the departure in storytelling? Did you not miss any of the stuff that they didn't really address at the end of the season? Let me know down in the comments below, and stay tuned right here on the channel. This is going up on Thursday morning. I think probably late tonight, I will have my review of Halloween Ends, which is hitting theaters and streaming this weekend. I'll also have my thoughts on The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which is wrapping up this week. It's something that I haven't revisited since my review of the first couple episodes, which I didn't really like, but I've also been catching up on that series, and I'm very excited to talk about the entire season and also be able to go into spoilers. So look out for that later on this week, and I also have some really fun Halloween stuff that I've been making that I'm going to start rolling out this weekend, plus anything that I just want to talk about, movie news or a review, a great movie that I see, I, you know, you never know when I'm going to jump on the channel, so be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit the bell so that you're notified when I have posted a new video, but most of all, thank you so much for spending part of your day here with me, and before I leave, I want to thank the sponsor for this review, 
Raycon. We are very much in the Halloween season, which means that we like to decorate outside to make everything look great. And if I'm decorating by myself, then I've usually got my earbuds in listening to some music, a book, or a podcast. But no matter what I'm listening to, it sounds great thanks to my Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. Raycons also give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life, and they're priced just right. You can get quality audio at about half the price of other premium audio brands, which is great to keep in mind as you're making those lists for the holiday season. If I'm zoning out outside and I just want to kind of focus on what I'm doing, then I can use the noise isolation mode, or if I want to keep an ear out to see if the neighbor wants to say hi, I can use the awareness mode, which keeps me more plugged into my surroundings. But no matter what I'm doing, the customizable sound profiles on my Raycon earbuds ensure that they are perfect for the task. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com today and use code MERL15 to get 15% off of your Raycon order. That's code MERL15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buy, B-U-Y, Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N.com, code MERL15. Thanks to Raycon for sponsoring this review and thank you so much for watching. I'll be back soon, but until then, stay safe and I'll see you then. Bye.